Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Daniel Willett. Well, good morning, good morning. We can turn the lights back up. <laughs> That's just volume one. Just, we need help. We, we need that book. So I hope you enjoyed uh, the service last week with, with Chris Kildosher. And uh, it was an awesome weekend and just enjoyed getting to know him. And uh, what an awesome uh, man of God. And uh, I know so many things happen. We're, we're still hearing of testimonies of, of people that were touched and, and what God did. And uh, so even if, if God did something in your life and you haven't shared it with us, please share it with us. Or even, um, you know, if you can't share it with us in person, email it to us. We would love to just uh, hear that. And I believe there's something to stewarding testimonies. Like, you know, God's been speaking to me a lot about being faithful and stewarding. And there's something to actually stewarding testimonies. Like when we hear the testimony, when we rejoice over the testimony, uh, well, first thing is the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So it's actually prophesying what is available and what God can do. But also, there's something about stewarding in the kingdom where when we steward the testimony, it actually welcomes God to do more things. It feels like the, the kingdom of heaven just opens wider. Amen. And so we want to be good stewards of, of what God is doing. So let us know. We just want to rejoice with you and, and just uh, steward that testimony. So we're going into a season and we've been in, we're going into a new season. We've been in a season of like growth. And this is a season of growth, but it's a season of activation where God is actually activating his church and we're actually learning how to connect our faith with what God's calling us to do. Because a lot of times we have something on our heart, but there's something to, again, stewarding and connecting our faith. Our faith is so powerful. Like I love what Joy said this morning, God is waiting for our yes. And so we're going into this season where we're going to connect our yes. We're going to connect our faith with what God is showing us. And God's going to do some amazing things. So this message title today is Equipping the Saints for Awakening and Revival. Equipping the Saints for Awakening and Revival. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you that you're here. Holy Spirit, you're here. Jesus, you're here. We just pray, have your way. I just pray for an anointing on this word that breaks the yoke of bondage. Father God, every bondage that we have in our minds, in our hearts, we declare that it's, your anointing is coming and it's breaking those things down this morning. God, we know that the heart's cry of, of the people in this church is we just want you, Jesus. We want more of you, Jesus. We want to see those breakthroughs in our life. We want to see us... Uh, connect our faith with you and be used in mighty ways. And we just want to know you, God. We want to know more of your love, your goodness. And we just thank you, Father. You're just inviting us into this adventure. And we just connect our yes with you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Or if you're reading from a digital version, I'm going to be in the New American Standard, NASB. Ephesians chapter 4, after Galatians, before Philippians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. If you're there, say amen. All right, you guys are fast. 
Verse one, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. So this is Paul speaking. And Paul isn't saying, shape up, people. Shape up and act right. That's not what he's saying. But all of us need a deep revelation of who Christ is and a revelation of what he's done for us. We need to have a deep, deep revelation of of who God is, who Christ is, and what he did on the cross, what it actually means to us. God's bringing us back to the simplicity of Christ crucified and what that means to us. Like, I love how Paul, he went to, he, he like, when it came to knowledge, he rocked. He's like, I was surpassing all my, all my uh, peers in, in knowledge of the gospel. And then but he would go to a church and he goes, when I come to you, I'm going to um, determine in my heart to know nothing except one thing, Christ and him crucified. So God's bringing us back to the simplicity in that one one little revelation of what Christ has done, it's, we could just stay there forever. Amen. Christ and him crucified. So Paul's saying, he says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. But it's more of a challenge to have a profound revelation of Christ. You can then walk worthy of your calling. When you get a revelation of Christ and a revelation of the good news, a revelation of Christ crucified and it's him that lives in you, it becomes harder and harder not to live and walk out your calling. God wants to make it hard for you not to step into your calling. And the deeper revelation we get of God, that's why we love conferences. We love to see God move. We love to see the Holy Spirit move. And we get deeper and deeper revelation. I, I know for our church, every time that Levi has came, it's like shifted our church into another level. And it's like marked us. And I can just see the change in, in myself and other people and our leaders and in our church. And it's just shifted us to where we used to contend for joy. And now joy is like easy. Like Chris was like, you guys are really good at joy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we've, we've contended for it for a long time. And it's now become, it's an easier thing for us to go into. So God wants to give you a, a deep revelation of Christ and Christ in you. And he wants to make it hard for you to not step out and walk in a manner that's worthy of your calling. It becomes harder and harder as you go from glory to glory to glory. So what is calling? You know, sometimes we have Christianese, Christianese words And calling, we say calling. That's one of the things we say. God's called you. So what is calling? Calling is what you're divinely created to do that reflects Christ here in the earth. And everyone has a unique gift and a calling that only you can offer. That underscores the importance of your life. Because you can reflect Jesus in a way that no one else can. That underscores how needed you are. Each and every person here, your gifting is so needed in the body of Christ. We're going to read a scripture coming up in Ephesians 4 where he says, we need everything that every joint supplies. That's each and every gifting, each and every person stepping into calling. We need all the joints working together. And we need everything that every joint supplies to the body of Christ. You are important. Your life's important. Stepping out in faith is important, not just for you, for the body of Christ. Amen. You have an opportunity to reflect Christ in a way that no one else can. Have you guys heard of, do you guys know who Sean Foyt is? 
worship leader. Have you guys heard he's running for Congress? So awesome. Man, I don't know, you know, if you can get behind it, just share his posts, like his posts, find him on Facebook. Awesome, powerful man of God. Um, amazing worship leader, amazing speaker. Like I've heard him speak a few times, just loves Jesus, just passionate for Jesus Christ. And he's, he's laying down his career right now. He's a famous like worship leader and writes songs, makes CDs, all this stuff. He's like setting aside his career to do this right now. And so I know that this is like what God has called him to do. And we need more people, by the way, just a quick sidebar. Not everybody's meant to do this. We need to find what we're graced to do. But we need more Christians who are on fire for God who step into that political arena. Imagine what, what would happen in our country. You know, we, we hear like people prophesy negativity over our country constantly. But let me prophesy some Jesus over our country. What would happen if the Sean Foyts of the world stepped into Congress, stepped into the political arenas, and we get all these Holy Spirit-filled, on fire for Jesus in politics. What would happen in our country? Amen? Amen. I mean, things could change very quickly. Very quickly. I mean, I, I, I don't like it when I hear people just prophesying negativity over our country because I actually believe God's doing something. I actually believe we could see such a turnaround in our country in the next, like, 8 to 12 years. So you finding out what your calling is and you stepping into your calling, it's so important. So before you can walk in your calling he has for you, you need a revelation. <laughs> you need a revelation of his calling. And God wants to give you clarity and revelation on what your calling is. I just had something, I'll just be real vulnerable this morning. I just had some, uh, an issue in my life where I was just having some stress throughout my week. And I was like, God, what is this? Like, why am I having stress? You know, I, I like, I love my life. My wife is amazing. Uh, my kids are amazing. I love getting to do what I get to do, but I'm having this stress. And I just, I did a sozo. And I, I just, the, basically the breakthrough that I got in the sozo was like, okay, you know what God's called you to do. And everything that's outside of that, stop doing it. And as soon as I got that revelation, I was like, oh yeah, the things that are causing stress are everything that I'm not called to do. The, the things that I'm doing that I'm not called to do. So God wants to give you revelation and he wants to give you clarity on what your calling is. So let's read verse two, Ephesians four, verse two. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, Showing tolerance for one another in love. Verse 3, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. I want to park there for a second. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. We need to be diligent in pursuing unity. Now the context here is believers. So this is, this is underscoring, like, for this is for believers. This is specifically in your family, specifically in your church, because it says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit. How many know you don't have the unity of the Spirit necessarily in your workplace, because not everybody's coming into that unity? But we have it here. We have it in our families. Amen? And so Paul is saying, he's like, be diligent, like, go after preserving unity. Like hold unity as a high, high value and be diligent to be like, hey, am I, am I in unity right now? Am I in unity or am I kind of ticked off at someone and I'm just not saying anything? 
When you feel a lack of unity and peace, it might be time for a brave conversation. It might be time for a brave conversation. Let me give you an example. Someone says something or does something. Let's, let's just use a church setting. In a church setting, rubs you the wrong way or that bothers you. So the enemy loves to come in in those moments and bring disunity. It's one thing God hates is disunity among the brethren. So sometimes when those things are happening and we're supposed to, Paul said, diligently pursue unity, we need to have a brave conversation. So uh, let me tell you what a brave conversation doesn't look like. Hey, you said this, and this is what you meant by it, and how dare you, and I'm mad, and you don't talk to me like that. That's not what it looks like. (laughs) This is what a brave conversation looks like. Hey, um, you said this, and I want to honor you by, let it, by asking you, what did you mean by that? Like, what was your heart? Like a brave conversation is I'm coming to hear your heart. I want to understand your heart. So, hey, you said this, and I want to know from your heart, like, what did you mean by that? 80% of the time, that's going to clear up the issue. See, what happens is people get offended, and they never do that, and they end up getting this seed of bitterness in their heart. And that scripture was on my heart this morning. Whatsoever a man sows, he will reap. God will not be mocked. Whatever seed that's put in the ground, it is going to grow. It's a mockery to think that that's not true. So that little seed of bitterness gets in. And a year later, you're like, I can't stand this person. When a simple conversation, hey, you said this. I want to honor you by asking you, what did you mean by that? I would say four out of five times, it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean that. You know, this is what I meant. And it's like that offense just lifts because we stepped out and had a brave conversation. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Go to people with the goal of understanding their heart. And then this is a key thing. When they tell you, oh, no, this is actually what I meant, you need to believe them. Because the voice of the accuser will even be like, no, that's not what they meant. They're just trying to save face right now. No, you actually just need to be like, okay, that's what they're telling me. I choose to believe you. The enemy so badly wants to create disunity and division in the body of Christ. So we need to diligently pursue unity. Even pray and check your heart. God, is there anyone I'm not feeling in unity with? And pursue unity with that person. By the way, when you approach someone, you do it in private. Facebook blasting other churches. Even if you're 100% right, you're not going in private to that person. You're, you're automatically in the wrong. Amen. We had people blasting us <laughs> because we were doing a Supernatural Life conference. And, you know, what was a testimony from it is we really weren't bothered by it anymore. So we've had that happen before. And uh, sometimes we feel the need, like, to defend ourselves. Like, oh, I'm going to show them, blah, 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 blah. You know what the Bible says? Like, first of all, if, if someone's blasting you publicly, they're completely in the wrong. They're outside of what God says. The word says, go to your brother in private. So if they're doing that to you publicly, and you respond to them, Proverbs says, if you respond to a fool, you become like him. 
you respond to a fool's folly, you become like him. It says, oh, I just remembered. I was like, what does it say? It says something like that. It says, respond to a fool in his folly and you become like him. So we didn't respond to any of them. We just deleted them. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> Amen. So let's read verse four. There is one body and one spirit. Just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7. But to each of us, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wow. You've been given grace, not according to anything that you've done, not according to your works, not according to anything other than the measure of the standard of Christ. You are in an ocean of grace that you could never possibly, just like if I were to drop you into the ocean, you could never possibly explore the whole ocean. You're in an ocean of grace. Amen. That's a whole lot of grace. That's why we can boldly approach the throne. That's why we can boldly step into sonship. Like, wow, no, Jesus really did pay for it all. I'm really as white as so. snow. I'm really righteous. I'm really a son who's dearly loved. And you can boldly step into that because you're in an ocean of grace. Each one of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Wow. Meditate on that. Verse 8, therefore it says when he ascended, this is talking about Jesus after he died on the cross. It says when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. And he gave, this is talking about now the fivefold ministry, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, some as teachers. And if you back up in the context, he says, these are the gifts given to men, the pastor, the fivefold ministry. And it's, this is the reason for the fivefold ministry, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. After Jesus died, he descended, says that he descended to hell. And he took back from Satan what was lost in the garden. What was lost in the garden? Jesus, or Father God, had given Adam and Eve dominion and authority. He said, this is all yours. The whole world's yours. Take dominion and take authority. And then when they sinned, they handed that dominion and that authority back to Satan. That's why the Bible talks about Satan and he calls him the God of this world. Because God made Adam and Eve the stewards of this world, and they handed that back over. They handed it over to Satan. So when Jesus went into hell, he took back what Adam gave over, and he now gives that out to us freely to those who believe in him. That's why we can boldly return back to the original creation and say, God's now given us dominion and authority. I believe that's one of the reasons Sean Foyt's stepping out. He's like, Christians have, have let go of political arena and we've stepped away from it. And he's like, wait a minute, God's given us dominion and authority to come and to change things in the world. 
Amen? So that was lost, but it's now been restored. And to all who are in Christ, he's given you dominion and authority on this planet. That's good news. So it says, the fivefold ministry was given for the equipping of the saints for the work of service. We all have a work of service to do. I love what Chris Kildosher said. He said, God is opposed to earning and works, but he's not opposed to working. He's opposed to earning. He's opposed to works. He's not opposed to working. So we need to have a revelation of what we're called to do and step out, connect our faith with that revelation of what God's showing us to do and to step out and God's going to meet you right there. It's not about works and earning. It's about stepping into your adventure that God has for you. Amen. Working, meaning using those unique giftings and talents that God has given us. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Did you get that? This is our measure. This is what we're coming up to to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ. Don't settle for anything less. God is showing you what's available and what's possible. He's saying this is your measure, the measure of the standard of Christ. That's your measure in your marriage. That's your measure in your business and your job. That's your measure with your children. That's your measure in your finances. Coming up to the measure of the standard of Christ. Don't settle for anything less. We're meant to go from glory to glory, from mountaintop to mountaintop. We get in ruts in our life and we're like, this is as good as it's going to get in my marriage and I'm not going to try anymore. When God has actually said, no, I'm going to take you to glory, from glory to glory to glory in your marriage. It's going to get better and better and better. I'll tell on myself again. I had a couple moments. I had a couple moments this week where, where the Lord just corrected me. And I, I'm learning to just embrace the correction of the Lord. Because I know how much he loves me. See, if we don't know how much God loves us, we'll fear correction because we think we confuse correction with punishment. God's not going to punish you, but he will re-guide you, train you, correct you. And when we receive correction, oh, it's, it's beautiful. God can do in an instant, if, if we receive correction, God can do in an instant what could have taken us months and months and years to learn. And counseling and all kind of, we love all that stuff. We love counseling. But God can correct you in an instant. And if you receive it, it's like, whoa, my whole life just shifted. And so God corrected me a couple times this week in my marriage. And two times this week, back to back, I had to go to my wife and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And I didn't know I was wrong until I sat down and prayed in my morning prayer time. And I was just like, God, what do I need to know? And he would just make it so clear and just correct me in this gentle way. And I was like, oh, got it. Sorry, God. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. Amen. Which verse are we in? 
13? Yeah, I think we're in 13. So we're meant to go from glory to glory to glory. Here's verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. No longer to be children tossed around by the waves. God wants to establish you in the simple things of Christ. I touched on this already. He wants to establish you in the, in the basics. Sometimes we're like, we want the meat. Like, give us the deep revelation. He's like, and I want to bring you back to the simplicity of Christ and him crucified and what that actually meant and did to you. He wants to establish you in righteousness. It's bringing us back to the basics, Grace. Establish you in grace. He wants to establish you in joy. Establish you in the simplicity of the gospel. If you need a new revelation, a fresh revelation of the simplicity of the gospel, share it with someone. I love Levi. Hey, have you heard the good news? Christ died for you. He made you white as snow. Everything you've ever done wrong is taken care of in Christ. And we start to get a revelation like, wow, this is good news. <laughs> How many people you approach them and they're like, that's not even real. God can't take away all my junk. I've done so much. And you're like, no, it's, it's truly the truth. He did it for me. We don't always need to know more. We need to expect more from what we already know. We need to expect more from what we know. And we need to start stepping out in faith in what we already know. God's waiting for our yes Sometimes we're waiting for that lightning bolt from heaven to jolt us into something. God's waiting for us. He's waiting for our yes. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Time to grow up. In all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. From the whole body being fitted, I was talking about this earlier, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. This is talking about every one of us starting to step into our callings, activating our faith, and we are fitted together and we beautifully come together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We all need each other. Your growth is my growth. My growth is your growth. We all need each other. This is a place where we come and we build each other up. We encourage each other. And we, we're excited to see transformation, not just in our own life, but in others' lives. Because when you transform, when God changes your heart, it's actually my growth. Because you start stepping into what God says in that verse about what every joint supplies. You start supplying what God was created you to supply into the body of Christ and into your own family. Your growth is our growth. Time to grow up. You were never meant to stay the same. There's never a point in your life where you're like, I got it. I love what Levi said about the scratch-off map. Do you guys remember that? 
he said he has a scratch-off map, and uh, he was scratching off all the places. You know, it's like a world map. Oh, I've been here, been there, scratching them off. And then he was like, you know, British Columbia, I've only crossed the border. And he goes, does that count? And he goes, I'm, I'm scratching it off. And, and God says, Levi, that's what you do in the spirit. You step into something, you go like, oh, got it. Been there. And he's like, you just stepped over the border in British Columbia. That's a pretty big place. <laughs> and that's what we do in the spirit sometimes. We're like, oh, got it. Tongues, got it. When God has like a huge ocean of revelation. Oh, grace, got it. When he's like, no, I'm going to wreck you with the revelation of grace for the rest of your life. Oh, got it. Evangelism, sharing people, sharing Christ with people. Got it. No, I have more for you. <coughs> Time to grow up. Keep growing. Go back to the simplicity of your faith. Time to step out in faith. In ministry. Time to step out in faith in your finances. God's giving me a word about finances. It's probably next week. Time to step out in faith in your callings and your giftings. Time to activate faith. Time to stop waiting for the lightning bolt and to connect your faith with what God has you doing. Look for ways like, God, how can I connect my faith in this area? How can I activate faith in this area of gifting? Time to step out. When you step out in faith, you put a demand on heaven to supply all that you need. That was way better than your response. Let me say it again. When you step out in faith, you put a demand on heaven to supply all that you need. You put a demand on heaven. Yes, child of God, you can put a demand on heaven because you're powerful, you're royalty, you're righteous, you're clean. And when you step out in faith, you put a demand on heaven to supply that need. God's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. Will I find faith? He's looking for us to step out in faith and God supplies that demand. So you need to find where God has gifted you and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what God is asking you to do. Put a question to God. God, what are you asking me to do? What does it look like for me to step out in faith? Your purpose, if you don't know your purpose, I'll give you your purpose right now. Your purpose is walking like Jesus in your life. Bringing something unique to the world through Christ who lives in you. There's a uniqueness that God's given you and you get to activate it through Christ who lives in you. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. When you discover your gift, the pressure is not on you, it's on God because it's Christ who lives in you. So you get to activate that unique thing that God's given you through Christ who lives in you. God isn't opposed to working, but he doesn't want you to work hard in areas that he's not called you to. That's what I was doing. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why I'm stressed. 
I'm here busy doing this thing I'm not supposed to be doing. And it was causing stress. And I could even look now, you know, hindsight's 2020. Now I can look back and be like, oh yeah, that's when the stress started. When I picked up that thing I wasn't supposed to. And I can see where the stress ended when I said, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> like, wow, oh, thank you for revelation, God. I told you guys a story a while back about Uber. About three years ago, I did Uber and Lyft. And uh, it seemed like a good thing to do to supplement my income. And after about four or five months doing it, I had netted about $70. I had two tickets. I hadn't had tickets in over 10 years. I had two tickets. I had multiple car issues that had to get taken care of and fixed. Gas, money. And so, like, when we looked at it, we were like, oh, my goodness. What a waste of time. But I did witness to a whole lot of people, though. <laughs> I heard some crazy stories. I should share them someday. And I got to witness to a whole lot of people. But it wasn't what I was called to do. It wasn't what I was called to do. I love this. Uh, Levi Hug said this. And I was like, that's good. I'm taking it. He said, the biggest tragedy is not that you didn't accomplish anything in life. The bigger tragedy is that you accomplish a whole lot in things that don't matter. I think of Steve Jobs, man, I, I used to be a huge Apple fanboy, and I still am, just not as much. Use whatever you want, I don't care. <laughs> but I, I heard a quote from him recently, and he got to the end of his life. You know, he died of cancer. He didn't know Jesus. Ho hopefully he did at the last moment. I don't know. But we don't know that, that he ever did except Christ. But he had a quote at the end of his life where he, he said, you know, I have... Um, so much amazing, huge success in life. He goes, but outside of work, I have very little joy. Very little joy. The biggest tragedy is accomplishing a whole lot in something that doesn't matter. That's the tragedy. When you find yourself doing things you're not called to do, like I was found out with Uber, like I found out with this thing that the Lord just showed me. You're carrying weights that you're never meant to carry. That's why the stress comes. That's why the, it feels like a burden. It feels like a heavy weight that you're dragging around. The Bible says we're yoked to Jesus. When we're yoked to him, his burden is light. So when we're doing things that we're not called to do, we're not yoked with Jesus and the burden is heavy. It's stressful. It's hard. That's why God wants to give you a revelation of what your calling is because he's actually yoking up with you in those areas. If you guys, and, and many of you probably know what a yoke is, but there's one hanging uh, over the door as you walk in Cracker Barrel over here. It's a, a piece of wood and it was meant to connect two animals together. And so the pulling was, they were pulling in unity. And so we get to be yoked with Jesus. How many know when we're yoked with Jesus, when we're connected with him, our weight is pretty light. He's doing the heavy lifting. Amen. So if you find yourself doing things in life that it feels like heavy lifting, you need to check and see, am I yoked to Jesus in this or am I yoked by myself doing something I'm not supposed to be doing? That's a good word. We're all meant for ministry. It doesn't need to look like what I'm doing today. Your ministry is going to look different, and it's going to be something that I can't do. It's going to be something that only you can do. 
so we don't compare ourselves to one another. You know, when we have someone like Chris come, it's, it'd be easy for us to, try, to get intimidated and be like, oh my goodness. But, you know, we've grown enough in the Lord to be like, I have a different gifting. Mine doesn't look like that. Amen? And I just want to say this, just a quick sidebar. We're all meant for ministry and works of service, but our number one ministry is to our family. I'm speaking to people who are married, people who have kids. Your number one ministry is to your family. If you're a husband, your number one ministry is your wife, then your children. If you're a wife, your number one ministry is to your husband and then to your children. The other ministry, this, what I'm doing today, I, I know that I'm in trouble if I ever put this in front of my ministry to my wife and my kids. This comes after that. Amen. When we're busy doing things God's not called us to do, it'll rob time from the main things, and it robs time from our first ministry to our families. By the way, if you're having a problem spending time with your family, it's actually not a hard shift. It's an easy adjustment. You just need to change what you believe. If, you have, if it's hard to spend time with your kids and it's just like, man, it feels like work. I'm thinking about all these other things or I just don't want to spend time with them. You just need to change what you believe. So I, I, had, I had moments like that. You know, I, I walk the dog every night. And, you know, when you have four kids, walking the dog for me was my one moment of solace. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can be by myself and I'd look at the stars and I'd pray a little bit and I'm like, or sometimes I do things far less spiritual, like watch a YouTube video, you know, but I'm by myself. And my sons would ask me, dad, I want to walk the dog with you. And I'd be like, oh, this is my one moment, you know? And so I'd be like, you know, but I just need, dad needs this moment and that's okay to need time to yourself. I'm not saying that we don't need that. But I started to change what I believed in that area. And so I started to, you know, we can actually direct ourselves in what we believe. And it's really, really powerful. Every psychologist in the world will tell you what you believe affects your behavior. So that's why we talk about where we don't, we don't say change your behavior. We say change your belief and your behavior follows. Now, psychologists are just catching up to the Bible because the Bible says we're renewed by transforming our mind. Amen. What's the scripture? It just left my brain. We're transformed. Thank you. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen. So it doesn't say we're transformed by trying really hard. It says we're transformed by believing something different, changing our thinking. So I started, I just had a few things. I said, I need to believe these things in my family. And so I just wrote these things down and I just review them. So I say, I, I need to believe this. I, I believe that my family needs my time. I'm going to believe that. I just made a choice. I'm going to believe that. I believe that my family needs my time. I believe that spending time with my kids might be the most important thing I do today. Now, when you believe that, it's easy to spend time with your kids. Because your belief changes, and your feelings and your emotions will go with your beliefs. So I started just telling myself, I believe that spending time with my kids, it's probably the most important thing I'll do today. I believe spending time just connecting with my wife each day is powerful and it's a way that I can minister to her. And so when I just changed my beliefs, it became easier and easier to spend time with my family. 
So God is getting ready to activate you. This is a new season. I believe, and I was prophesying this this morning, but um, I think it was in prayer. But I believe things are going to happen quickly. Like God is going to grow you in ways that you felt like you're stuck in, and he's going to grow you quickly. Like you're going to get revelation that just shifts you, and you're like, wow, that could have taken a long time, but God just shifted me into, into the next level in that area. So God is equipping you. He's activating you. When you step out in faith, there's a demand on heaven to supply what you need. When you step out in faith, here's another great point about stepping out in faith. You may need some things to shift in you, and you're putting a demand on heaven to supply what you need to shift. That's what happened to us in ministry. I can, man, when we stepped into ministry, God had to shift things quick. <laughs> because it's like, you can't handle this unless I change some things in your heart. And so things happen fast. Things happen quickly as we just stepped out in faith into what God had for us. And so I believe this is a season where God is going to shift things quick as you step out in faith, as you're connecting your heart with what God wants you to do. He's going to shift things quickly inside of you. If you have things you're stumbling over, he's going to shift those things. If you have things that you just know you're not thinking right in, he's going to shift those things. It's coming. It may look a lot like revival. It's an awakening. You know, Chris, when he was here and he started running around the building, you know, we don't know him that well. We're getting to know him. Afterwards, he goes, I've never done that before. I've never ran around the room. And he goes, you know what it feels like in this, it, here, it feels like revival. He goes, you guys should do revival, like do four or five nights in a row and just see what God does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how it works. You know, the big revivals that happen, you know, a lot of the times it was just like, hey, let's try this. Let's just, let's just call it revival and see what God does. And then all these, God intervenes and, and all these things are happening and are like, oh, we need to meet again tomorrow. This is too crazy. And it goes on. You know, Chris Kildosher was part of a revival that went 40 days straight in Omaha. Because people are like, we have to come back tomorrow and I got to bring my whole family because I just saw somebody get healed and I got Uncle Bob that needs to, God to touch his back. And then it becomes evangelism, becomes like, oh my gosh, God's real. And my neighbors are going to hell unless God intervenes. And it becomes like people are getting saved. You start seeing God do amazing things. So it could look a lot like revival. So I'm going to close with this. I'll go through these quick. Three things to hold in mind during your revival and awakening. Number one, you have permission to forget your past. You have permission to forget your past. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You have permission to forget your past. And Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. Now, I mean past as if you've had a hard past and you've done some things that you're not proud of, let go of that. But I also mean past of like just trauma and pain and, and things that weren't fun to go through. You have permission to let those things go. God will come in and heal your heart. I'm not saying don't get healing, 
process with God, but I, I just believe he's doing an accelerated healing and he's healing the trauma of past seasons and you have permission to let those things go and press forward. Don't get focused on the past trauma, the past sin, the past issues, but leave those things where they're at and press forward. Amen. So number one, three things to hold in mind during revival. You have permission to forget your past. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have no past. It's covered in the blood. It's washed in the blood of Jesus. Number two, nothing depends on you. It's all about Christ who lives in you. It's all about Christ who lives in you. Whatever he's going to do through you, he's the one doing it. Galatians 2.20, man, I went through a season where I just meditated on this verse, and I started to see so many awesome things happen in my life and around me. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. It just takes all the pressure off of me. I'm, I'm activating whatever he's called me to do, and it's Christ doing it through me. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants to intervene through your life more than you even want to do it more than you want to step out. He wants to communicate and connect with someone more than you want it. And it's the pressures off you. It's Christ who lives in you. So number one, you have permission to let go of your past. Number two, nothing depends on you. It's all about Christ who lives in you. Number three, and I have to give Joy credit for this one, keep the fire burning. She just had this scripture in her heart the other day. She's like, wow, this, this scripture is just like fire right now. It's Leviticus 6.13. It says, fire shall be kept burning continually on the altar. It is not to go out. Keep the fire burning in your heart. How do you do that? I'm going to give you some really practical ways. You might say, these are, these are too simple. Trying to think of a gentle way to put this. If you think they're too simple and you're not doing them, you need to rethink that. Is that gentle enough? <laughs> Ways to keep the fire burning. Create a discipline of meeting with the Lord. <laughs> Six a.m. every morning. That's my time with God. He can meet with me anytime he wants, but I have an appointment with him at six a.m. every morning, seven days a week. And that's when I don't even want to call it prayer time anymore because it's prayer, it's listening, it's him correcting me, it's sometimes reading the word. It can be so many different things, but I have a meeting with him every morning and I treasure it. It was hard at first. I'm not a morning person. Some mornings I wake up and I can barely open my eyes and I go to the bathroom and I walk to the sink and just splash water on my face for about 20 seconds and I'm slowly waking up, but I treasure that time. I go and make my coffee and I sit down and meet with Jesus, 6 a.m. Create a discipline of meeting with the Lord. For me, it's about an hour every day, but for you, it, it may be 15 minutes. That, that may be like where to start. Maybe five minutes. Like I'm gonna have a discipline of meeting with the Lord for five minutes at the start of my day. And it'll grow. 
It'll grow, man. I, I remember it used to be hard to pray for five minutes. Now it's hard not to pray for an hour. But God does something in your heart. He shifts those things. Chris Vallotton, one of the pastors at Bethel, he challenged himself to read a chapter in Proverbs every single day for years and years and years and years. Do you need wisdom? It's the book of wisdom. So Proverbs has 31 chapters. So he would, whatever day it was, if it was the first of the month, he'd read Proverbs 1 and so on and so forth. And he did this for years and years and years. And it's, it's not a coincidence that he's leading a movement. He's second only to Bill Johnson and leading a movement that's changing the whole world right now. Very, very wise man, but God put it on his heart. Be disciplined. Read a chapter in Proverbs every single day. Some of you need to challenge yourself to get in a schedule to read the whole Bible for the first time. Invest time in his word. Why don't we do this? Bad beliefs. We, don't, we just don't believe the right things. But you can change your belief. Start making this declaration. I believe that the word of God has the power to change everything in my life. I believe that the word of God has power to change everything in my life. I skipped, I skipped a point. I went right into Bible. The first one is create a discipline of meeting with the Lord. The second one is create a discipline of being in his word. Create a discipline of being in his word. Invest time in his word. Change what you believe if that seems hard to you. Start saying that. I believe that the word of God has the power to change everything in my life. Hebrews 4.12, for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. And it pierces more sharply than any two-edged sword. It will penetrate even to the very core of our being where our soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. Last one. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Practical ways to keep the fire burning. Create a discipline of meeting with the Lord. Create a discipline of being in his word. And pray in the spirit, last one. This verse I just chewed on for a long time. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit. Create a discipline of praying in the Spirit. If you haven't got your heavenly prayer language, come up and get prayed for. I believe God will give it to you. God's doing things. When you're praying in the Spirit, God's doing things that you don't even know. In fact, sometimes when I'm like, I don't know how to pray for this, God, I just start to pray in the Spirit because he's praying his perfect will through me. So we're in a season of awakening and revival. God is awakening hearts to life. Let's stand this morning. I just want to pray over you and then I'm going to have my wife come close service.
I just bless every person here. I bless every person to enter into their time of revival and awakening in Jesus' name. I just declare awakenings in this house in Jesus' name. That God is connecting. Those, there's evangelists in this place that you have an evangelist heart and God is awakening it. And you're going to begin to weep over the lost. You can begin to see people who don't know Jesus and, and you're just cry. Say, God, oh man, I have to tell them. God's awakening hearts in this place and reviving hearts. There's people in here that God's awakening your heart to his word to where you're going to begin to like just love his word. It'll be hard not to be in his word. You'd be like, I can't get out of it. I just need more. I remember Levi talking about a time of his life where he just, he couldn't get enough. He'd read four and five hours a day of the Bible. And I just say what God did with him, he can do for you. And I just prophesy that over people. That God has just given you a deep, profound love for his word. I just prophesy over you that some of you are getting just a deep love for the body of Christ. And you're like, man, it's not hard to go to church anymore. I can't wait to get to church because I just love Christ's body. I just love his body. By the way, when we come against someone, another believer, and we don't do it in the right way, who are we really coming against? We're coming against the body. So I just prophesy that God has given you just a love for the body of Christ. And I just prophesy awakenings are taking place, awakening spiritual gifts, things that maybe you've stepped into in the past and you've laid them down because of whatever, intimidation. One of my friends just shared with me a few days ago, he said, man, there was a season in my life where I stepped out into the prophetic and it was amazing. And then he's like, and then I, I felt like I got one wrong and someone shut me down really hard. And he's like, and I just said, forget it. So if, if that's you, if that's happened to you, God is reawakening that gift. You were never meant to lay it down. And you need to forgive a person that may have shut that down in you. God is activating somebody for healing that you've had that on your heart. Maybe even as a child, you've seen healing and you're like, wow, that's, I want to do that. But you've never stepped into it. God is activating you to do that and to step out and pray for random strangers. How do you know who to pray for? Look for anything you wouldn't see in heaven. You don't see a wrist brace in heaven. You don't see a cast in heaven. You don't see people limping in heaven. I just declare God is activating you. If you who is that? If you know that that's you, like, yeah, I'm supposed to be moving in healing and I just haven't stepped out. Just be bold. Just lift your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your humility. You can put your hand down. Yeah. God's, he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I just declare you're going to begin to see that. You're going to begin to see that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good. <laughs> so good. God's good. Amen. That's like, that's, that's a, a message that'll 
get me going. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, the, the conference and stuff, it was so amazing and it was so powerful. And I just want us all, um, when we look at um, Levi, when we look at Chris and, and the things that they're doing and the way that they pray and the things that they have access to, um, we need to be so in awe of Jesus and be so in awe of everything that's available to every single one of us and even more. Amen. And it might look different on us. We might wear it differently, but that is available to us and so much more. So, so, so much more. And um, I just really feel it um, on my heart that um, we need to redefine Christ-likeness. You know, we want to go into the world and we want to be like Christ. And sometimes we define that as that means that we're going to be nicer to people. And it's like, man, Christ-likeness means that we're going to be healing the sick, means that we're going to be raising the dead. We're going to be casting out demons. We're going to be bringing encouragement. And sometimes we're going to be forming a whip and flipping tables over. <laughs> Amen. And so just redefining what Christ-likeness is. And I just want to encourage you. Um, you have been activated. You have been activated. And it's awesome. We have faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these things is love. And sometimes we're really good at hoping in the future for some revival that's going to happen out there. But we're activating our faith right now that revival is today. Revival is right now. Revival is here and revival is coming, but revival is here. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you, you have been activated. You don't have to wait for someone to commission you. You don't have to wait for someone to come behind you and say, hey, go pray for the sick. You have been commissioned by Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago. Amen. Amen. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the activation, Father, that we don't have to put off into the future the day that we're going to heal the sick. Father, if we haven't seen the sick uh, being healed yet, we just need to pray for more people. So we just thank you so much, Lord, that you're going to lift our eyes, Father, that we're going to bring um, our hope into today through our faith, and we're going to be motivated by love to look at those around us, Lord Jesus, and be aware of your presence everywhere we go, to be aware of your anointing and what it is that you want to do in any given moment. I pray for boldness in every single one of us, and we just make the direct the declaration today. We say yes and amen to you. Somebody say yes and amen. Somebody say yes and amen. Yeah, we thank you, Jesus, for revival today. And we just so um, expect to see you work. We expect to see you work even this week. The, the loaves and the fishes that Julia brought, I declare that that's multiplying to every single one of us, Lord. That you're going to awaken our hearts, Father. Maybe some of us are moved by compassion for someone. And we get to say, oh, Jesus is doing something over here. I have compassion here. Maybe God wants to heal somebody. Lord, I declare that that is being multiplied in every single one of us, that we're going to be so aware of your anointing in every given moment, Lord, that we're going to go and change the world. No matter what we think our calling is and our destiny for the future, you've already placed us right here for this time and for this place, Lord Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that you're awakening us to what you're doing every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Turn around and bless your neighbors. And then as always, we have a prayer team up here if you guys want to um, receive prayer. Amen.